This is The Adam Ritz Show, a public affairs talk show touching on community, health, foundations, and more. The Adam Ritz Show is underwritten by Vibonomics, an audio out-of-home advertising marketplace and audio experience company. Info at Vibonomics.com. And now, from the Vibonomics studios, please welcome your public affairs radio host, Adam Ritz. All right, let's get this party started. My name is Adam Ritz. You're on board with the Adam Ritz Show, and my co-host is Jay Baker on the telephone. Hey, Jay, how you feeling? I am feeling great, and I am broadcasting live from this amazing studio that looks suspiciously like a walk-in closet. The Jay Baker Home Studios are up and running, and uh, you act as not only broadcaster, but aren't you the the, the chief engineer there in that closet as well? <laughs> I ride herd on this studio, my friend. Uh, <laughs> hey, so we've had some rough weather, and uh, you know we're getting we're breaking through it. Uh, temperatures are getting not only back to normal but higher than average. And uh, there's still a lot of people hurting in Texas after um, the freeze and the lack of power. Uh, they had uh, and you know the once in thirty year storm they were calling it uh, about ten days ago, a couple of weeks ago. Um, people still hurting. So if you are uh, searching online for GoFundMes or charities to give to to help out the people in Texas, keep in mind, uh, and this is a new report from the FBI, that um, there are fake charity scams pouncing on the good nature of um, of you know altruistic Americans that want to help out the people of Texas. So make sure that when you are giving to a charity, just do a couple uh, more minutes due diligence to make sure it's not a scam. Millions of Texans are in need uh, as they were left without electricity and access to water and food in the last couple of weeks. And various charities have started uh, those campaigns to give the money, food, other supplies to those who need it. And uh, FBI El Paso Division officials are warning uh, everybody in America just to be uh, cognizant of the fact that these scam artists are out there and they're taking advantage of the good-natured people. So we've covered those uh, sort of scams before. Uh, I think it's a good idea to bring them up here and there, uh, especially during a national uh, natural disaster or a national disaster, rather, uh, because that's when people come out of the woodwork to try to help. And the last yes. thing you want is for some scam to get between you and the people you're trying to help. And that's the last thing that people that need the help want to come between you and them. So please just be aware of those scams. Do a couple extra minutes of uh, research online to make sure it's legit and uh, everybody will be helped. Well, it is a situation where you can't, most of us just don't have the time or ability to load our car up with supplies, drive it down to Texas. So we want to give to organizations and your point is very well taken. And, you know, we have uh, a lot of convenience in the world so yes you really have to make sure that larry's gofundme for texas page is legit yeah and i you know one of the things the fbi suggests is to um stay away from donating through social media posts because that's where the most scams are um if you see a social media post that looks legit and you'd like to help Go, you know, Google that organization through another web platform, through through a, through their website. Find, make sure it's a real legitimate website, uh, because a lot of times, if you see something on a Facebook or Twitter post, and you're like, "Oh, okay, I'll I'll give to this," 
uh, that in itself is the easiest way for the scammers to get your money. Well, and it is interesting that you mentioned that, and that's why uh, so many people advocate uh, for organizations like the Red Cross because they have been around forever and they are a legit agency of helping people. Red Cross. And uh, and when these things happen, I, I really do. I'm with you. I really felt for the people of Texas and uh, we had some associates in Texas who were reported, even though they were in an area uh, where, you know, the power had come back on because that was the biggest issue was seemingly that they had lost water altogether because there was just no way for them to keep the pipes from freezing where they were at. And as you said, a once in a life, you know, once in a 30 year experience you know, hopefully Texas won't experience a storm like that again until another 30 years because it, it, it was a, a real bad situation for them and continues to be. But we have uh, brighter horizons uh, in front of us. Literally, I noticed uh, where we live, the, the sun is starting to set uh, past the 6.30 p.m. mark. Uh, so the days are getting longer. The temperatures are getting higher. Uh, I went on a walk the other day. It was 50, uh, I think it was 54 degrees. So uh, after nice. a week of uh, single digits we had a couple of weeks ago, uh, I'm looking forward to the the spring. And I know uh, this is a tease because it's not even March yet, and we still uh, have you know 20-degree weather throughout March. I don't know if you uh, remember, uh, I'm a huge uh, world-class athlete. I played college football. Um, as I get older, the memories get better. And um, <laughs> one of my worst memories of playing college football is a thing called spring football. And uh, that's when, you know, if you played in the South, you loved spring football. If you played in the Midwest or in the North, spring football was was the worst. It was terrible because you, it, was yeah. a, it was two a days for five straight weeks through the month of March. And I'm talking like the high March 10th can be 28. <laughs> sure. And this was back before we had, uh, you know, indoor stadiums and um, all the practice facilities they have now. So we actually would go outside to practice. It was 28 degrees. It was terrible. So I know that weather is still in front of us in March. And I tell all my friends that every year, as soon as we have a, a couple 50 degree days in late February, I'm like, look, this isn't over. We, in fact, you know, we've, we've been known to have some snowstorms in April. So uh, just be careful out there. I know we've covered um, safety uh, driving issues, uh, winter weather driving issues. And just because we had one 54-degree day doesn't mean that the problems of winter are completely behind us. This is the Adam Rich Show. We're underwritten by Vibonomics. And you can find out more about them through our website. Just click their logo. It's a purple V for Vibonomics. You can find them uh, on our website, adamritzshow.com. They're an audio experience company, in-store audio with promotional voiceover messages and advertising and music uh, airing in retail stores, grocery stores across the country. Jay Baker, uh, you ready for spring or you, you still like the cold weather? You know, I can enjoy a few brisk days, but you are correct. I am really looking forward to springtime and warmer temperatures, though, thankfully, where we lived, relatively mild winter, uh, with the exception of a couple of uh, storm events. So we've been very fortunate. Um, but I'm going to guess you will be enjoying spring as well. I know you've always, you've, uh, you said that you had a personal vendetta against Puxatani Phil. You didn't enjoy his attitude or his weather predicting. You know, I don't think 
Punxsutawney Phil has ever made me feel good. <laughs> you know, and he's never, he's never you seen. You blame him. I blame him for every every terrible spring football practice I ever had. I mean, I, he's never <laughs> stuck his head out of the out of the groundhog hole and said, "Hey, you know what? Spring's going to be over in a or spring's going to be here in a week." I don't care if it's four <laughs> weeks or twelve weeks; it's still too far away. Yep, absolutely. Hey, when I was looking through some of the uh, data this this year, and we try to find some positive things to uplift you because we are sort of moving in a very good direction with uh, health and the COVID numbers and everything else. There is a group of super wealthy Americans, as well as from uh, 22 other countries, that are participating in a program called the Giving Pledge. And the Giving Pledge was sort of a brain trust of Warren Buffett, who has been an extraordinarily wealthy man. And the Giving Pledge is they're urging the super wealthy to give a half or more of their fortune away before their passing. And I thought that that was kind of, that's really intriguing because you and I know, I think people tend to look at the super wealthy and think, oh, boy, their life just must be, you know, totally carefree, no problems whatsoever. Well, you've got a couple of hundred million dollars. I mean, when you are um, dead, you're not going to need it. Correct. Uh, Ten years before you die, you could you could blow 50 million of it and have the time of your life and still not even realize you've spent any of your money. So why not give half of it away? Uh, I know right. maybe uh, seven generations later, uh, if they're living in a dirt hut, they might think, gosh, I wish great, 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 great grandpa Jay Baker gave us some of that, <laughs> some of those millions. Some of that big money. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, your immediate offspring, anybody that w is going to inherit your estate is still going to get the other half. Absolutely. Come on. Well, th that was the extraordinary thing about this program is Warren Buffett. Uh, and I don't know. Have you ever read much about him? I, I always think that he's so extraordinary uh, for his insights and then his philanthropy. But he had a very interesting thing. He figured out a tremendous way to make money in the stock market. And his game plan is to give away 99% of his wealth during his lifetime or at the passing of his, or at, at the, at the time when he actually passes away. So 99% of his wealth, it, that's pretty impressive. That's a big number. That's uh, I did not know that. And uh, you know, he's got so much money. Oh, I, I, uh, I hope that happens. Yeah, absolutely. And it was based on the fact that, as Warren pointed out, you know, we now live in a, a time of life where people can make a lot of money. And one of the examples that they gave, and this is a gentleman who has done a lot of philanthropy and has been an advocate for it as well. His name is Minaj Bagara. He was the gentleman that discovered five-hour energy. And he made such an extraordinary amount of money that he said, I'm going to give away exactly two-thirds of my money. And it was, as you said, mathematically, now you still have a third of a pretty tremendous fortune. And to give you an idea perspective-wise of how much money that is, this upcoming year they plan to donate $1 billion to water purification efforts throughout the world. 
So this gentleman, obviously, very flush with cash and philanthropic to share. I think uh, I think we should get involved with this somehow. Uh, you and I should make some sort of pact to uh, to give away our wealth. And um, while that's comical in and of itself, since we're, we're on the radio right now, uh, <laughs> by definition, we have no wealth. Uh, no. If if things go well for us, uh, you know what? Maybe go home today, and or when you when the show's over, get out of the closet, your closet studio. Tell your wife that you want to sell the house. And take all mm-hmm. the equity and give 99% of that equity away to charity. Just like Warren did. Just like Warren Buffett. Absolutely. But it is worth a look up. It will inspire you to give more in your life. It's the giving pledge. And there are, as we said, the super wealthy in 22 countries and America are participating. And to date, they have contributed $600 billion with a B to the greater good of our society. So I think that that's very cool. Holy cow, 600 that, billion. That is fantastic. 600 billion. I think that that's quite a huge number and impressive to boot. Now, as you are sheltering in place, you're thinking to yourself, how can I keep myself healthy? There's been a couple of things that have sort of kicked back in uh, nostalgia wise in the health front, one of them being hula hoops. I don't know. Have you ever tried to hula hoop? I've tried several times. I cannot master it. I can't do it. I, I am dreadful at it, uh, but it is extremely good exercise and safe because in your confined space, you know, obviously you don't want to be standing too close to a lamp. A hula mm-hmm. hoop is not good for lamps, but uh, very interesting. Uh, the deal is the smaller, lighter hula hoops require more energy to utilize so your workout may not last as long so the new hula hoops are bigger and heavier they're a little easier to get moving but you will probably work out a little longer i i would have never known that uh maybe that's been my problem all these years i need a heavy heavier hula hoop something you might something thick made out of cable or me- or metal uh maybe a metal hoop with with a cable in it uh you know up, one, one up that till, weighs several hundred pounds i can't sure. pick it up but uh, if i had something to help me pick it up and get that sucker started it would uh, not only spin around me but maybe it would work off the the love handles i know that well, the old hula hoops the old, the amount of time i could keep it up was directly proportional to how hard i start the first spin <laughs> the first spin had to be a good one that, i that's really sure. had to spin that first spin hard and then it would just you know it'd spin around seven or eight times and then just fall to the ground i know adam that you know a lot about hollywood but have you ever heard the phrase Bollywood. I have, yeah. That's a reference to the continent of India's film industry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, good nickname, Hollywood, Bollywood. Because in many Bollywood films, there is Bollywood dancing. And I don't know if you've ever seen or if you have seen too many of these, but now YouTube channels are getting extremely popular because depending on how your television is set up, you can actually put YouTube on the screen, and yes, you can become a famous Bollywood dancer right in the privacy of your own living room. And uh, is this something you're into? Are you? <laughs> you know, I'm. Are you I'm promoting a, fan. I'm a, a Bollywood fan. dancer? 
I'm a fan of the movies and I could clearly see how the dancing could be something that could help promote physical fitness. I myself, I have prohibited myself from dancing to save those around me from uh, seeing something that they can't unsee. Is there, maybe you should start the Bollywood dancing hula hoop channel, combine the two physical activities and you start something new. This is a note right here. Combine the two for an amazing workout. One of the big things that's happened in the fitness world is everybody loves Peloton bikes. It's a good interactive uh, workout uh, tied very closely to spinning classes. And as you know, as we await gyms to reopen, people have been missing their spinning classes. Well, if you were to just purchase a Peloton bike, they're outstanding, but they can be expensive. The good news is your local bike store probably has a station, ooh, easy for me to say, stationary trainer that you can utilize on the bike in your garage, and you can be exercising spin-style-wise for pennies on the dollar. Make sure you have it set up you know, correctly, though. Because <laughs> correctly. <laughs> all I can yes. think of is uh, John Candy. In the movie, Who's Harry Crumb? <laughs> I don't know if you saw that movie. Yeah. But he gets on this stationary bike in the office, starts pedaling, and it jumps off the track, and he goes through the drywall. So be yeah. careful if you're on a stationary you a bike that, you, that you've that you rigged up yourself in the garage. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, here's a fitness tip. This is America's fastest-growing sport, believe it or not. It's called pickleball. Are you familiar with pickleball? I, I am. I have not played it. I remember seeing it in the last uh, several years, you know, on the side of a roadway. And uh, you see it a lot in uh, metropolitan areas. It's a good yes. – it doesn't take up a lot of uh, real estate. So instead of, uh, you know, four or five giant tennis courts, you can you can fit a few pickleball courts in a very small space. Uh, I haven't done it yet, but I want to. Yeah, I've seen it uh, demonstrated. I myself have not participated personally but they do say it is like a cross between tennis and badminton badminton of course is a hilarious sport and i don't know if you ever played badminton uh just at a few family picnics uh maybe it, i think i remember it in uh, gym class possibly in in, uh -huh. in junior high school but uh no i haven't gone out with the boys lately to play badminton <laughs> the device is the best sounding device in sports it's called the shuttlecock the actual thing that you bandy back and forth in a badminton game and i tell you you know somewhere Adam, somebody is manufacturing shuttlecocks. There's a shuttlecock factory somewhere. And they're fun to, to bounce back and forth with a racket, even if you're not actually playing badminton. Absolutely. So supposedly pickleball is great because it is amazingly social. And uh, exercise enthusiasts are calling it a lifetime game. So if you get a chance, uh, as the spring weather arrives for you, you might want to try pickleball, and probably there is a pickleball group very close to where you live. Now, you know we always have awarenesses for the months, or and the month of March is coming up. And you might not know this, Adam, but it's an Umbrella Awareness Month for March. Thank goodness, because we need I more know, awareness. I know 
you've been concerned <laughs> about umbrellas. We all have been. Ironically, with the spring weather, you might need an umbrella. It's estimated that most households have 3.8 umbrellas. So that 0.2% of the umbrella, we don't know where that got off to. But uh, most households have uh, right around four umbrellas. Now, is Umbrella Awareness Month to get the word out to buy umbrellas? Or is it is it more operational for people to actually <laughs> know how to use an umbrella? Because it seems to me, I, you see, when the rain stops, people don't even know how to fold those things back up. No, no <laughs> one knows how to fold it up. No one knows how to use that little umbrella bag that's in the lobby. The button, when the button goes out, they forget it. The, the button, that's that's a big operation. And then, you know, the umbrella can actually get turned inside out during a high wind day. So knowing how to turn it back into its regular shape is very important. I wonder how much of Umbrella, umbrella Awareness Month is on the pronunciation of the word umbrella. Uh, it could be. I remember having this debate uh, when I was younger on how to say umbrella, where the stress is, because uh, I think when yeah, it was me. I was saying it wrong. I would stress the very first symbol or syllable rather, and I would uh, say umbrella. Have you uh, ever heard anybody call it an umbrella? I think I have, but mostly because I've lived here in the Midwest, and um, I think that's a popular way to say it. Umbrella. And I remember, uh, I think it was my sister, in fact, it was like, why do you say umbrella? And, you know, I'm just 12 years old, and she's hammering me. And I think after that conversation, for the rest of my life, I've, I've said it, umbrella. So which one's right? We need to get you the, know, the Umbrella Awareness Institute on We're going to have to find out. Yes, absolutely. The good news is, is during March, extra emphasis on umbrella or umbrella. Um, it's the Umbrella Awareness Month. Absolutely. It's also Caffeine Awareness Month. You might find your caffeine uh, intake going a little higher than you might want it to be. And also be aware that there's extra caffeine that's snuck into foods. Uh, like if you love coffee ice cream, uh, as the article pointed out, they didn't take the coffee out of coffee ice cream. There's still plenty in there. And if you have coffee ice cream at night, you might say to yourself, hey, I'm having a little trouble getting to sleep here. Now, when's Caffeine Awareness Month? March? March. Okay, I wonder why it's March, because uh, you know a lot of these months make sense for the time of year. Sure. For example, Umbrella Awareness Month, March and April, springtime showers, a lot of rain, and probably April is the highest month for precipitation and rain. So you want to have the Umbrella Awareness Month in March so everybody has their umbrella ready for April and May. I uh, wonder what March is uh, significant to the caffeine industry, because uh, it seems to me that I need, I would need caffeine more when I have, uh, and we've covered seasonal depression. You know, when it's dark sure. and cold outside, and you know, I haven't seen the sun in four months, and the sky is gray every day. That's when I need my caffeine. So I wonder why March, when this, when the days are getting longer, the skies are getting bluer, and the temperatures are warming up. I wonder why March is uh, Caffeine Awareness Month. I you know, just, that's one of the great mysteries of life. It is a mystery. And there's probably some <laughs> very stupid reason to it because somebody at, that worked at Folgers uh, decided to promote, the, you know, their new brand of uh, of decaffeinated coffee. It <laughs> so could they, be. they wanted to bring up coffee, caffeine awareness month just to bring it into people's uh, 
line of sight so they could go, you know what, I'm sick of having coffee. I want some decaffeinated coffee. Yes, absolutely. When is decaffeination awareness month? You know, I'm going to do a little research on that because I think decaffeinated awareness to me is equally important, if not perhaps more important than caffeine awareness. It's got to be six months from March, so it's got to be in September. (laughs) Exactly six months. (laughs) And the coffee pot is a slightly different color so that the waitress doesn't get it mixed up. Yeah, it's orange. Uh, You know, of course, you know, there's been all kinds of studies about the optimal amount of caffeine, but uh, most scientists will tell you moderation is the key and they've sort of hit upon and the results may vary for you individually but three to four cups of coffee or the equivalent thereof is considered moderate intake of caffeine now if you're like adam you have a coffee mug the size of a fish tank you do have to you have to act accordingly i do have a big coffee you know what i'm i'm guilty this is probably uh bad to admit but i i do have three cups of coffee every day every morning uh and i get what i call coffeeed out i'm coffeeed out i just can't do it anymore the fourth cup's too much even later in the day i don't even want another one later in the day i'm coffeeed out however i do go for at least two maybe up to four more diet cokes which is Ah. caffeinated so that you know with three cups in the morning four diet cokes through the day that is a lot of caffeine you are not setting a good example for others that are seeking a more moderate caffeine intake. I may need to do some research on uh, <laughs> on the health implications. Uh, I do know it makes my teeth browner, um, and I do. You know, if you ever meet me and go, "Wow, that's why his teeth aren't white." Yes. What a smile! Seven a uh, smile eight ounce glasses man. of caffeine will do that to you. Thank gosh I don't drink wine. My teeth would be yes. black. Uh, yeah, you'd be you'd be in trouble. It is also National Credit Education Month. A lot of people are not as well educated about their personal finances and their credit, and uh, that's why they created the credit score. So this is a good month for you to perhaps find out what your personal credit score is. And there's also several resources you can do to enable you to use credit more wisely. And I think, you know, we've talked about this before on the show. Uh, Oftentimes, young people just getting out of college are targeted by a number of credit card companies because all of a sudden now your expenses go up. You've got to get that post-college apartment and you've got to buy things. And not everybody is hyper aware of what happens when you misuse your credit. Without question. And I do recall when I was in college, I got a credit card. Uh, my parents didn't know about it. I just I filled out a, a pamphlet and got a, you know, I can't even remember the bank. Uh, but it had like a $200 limit on it. That's it. And right. the day I got the credit card, I hit the How limit. How high did you get it? I hit the limit. <laughs> You know, on the first day. Oh, are you kidding? Of course. Took my buddies out. I'm sure we uh, we went and got uh, some burgers and uh, some pitchers of beer and two hundred dollars like that. And, you know, I made the minimum payments and and floated around that two hundred limit. It never got down. But what they did and here's how they get you. They kept increasing the limit. Uh. Every time they increased the limit the next day, I'd hit it. So I'd say I was 21 years old when I got that card, and let's just put 10 years on it. When I was 31, that I still had that card, 
and it was probably up to a balance of at least ten thousand dollars. And it was just wow. sitting there. I just I just I'd pay it off, I'd get it under ten grand, I'd go and I'd go get it up to ten grand again. And I think when I was around thirty one is when I just I cut up the card, never used it again, and just started paying it off and got rid of it. Uh, that's how they get you. Yes, absolutely. So that's why they have National Credit Education Month. Do educate yourself about credit scores and the proper use of your credit card because a credit card is very handy to have. But if it's always at its limit, it's not such a handy device because you have a credit card in case an emergency comes up. Uh, you need a new hot water heater. I mean, that happened at our house uh, a couple of years ago. Well, you and I both know the plumber's not going to take a check. No. <laughs> in fact, the plumber has a funny look on his face when you ask, hey, do you take a check? That's right. <laughs> But you have to have enough money. Yeah, you have to have have enough money on there to be able to pay that. It's uh, also National Flower Month. Uh, It's it's dedicated. If you think about it, most delicious things begin with flour. Oh, that 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 kind of flour. Yeah, okay. flower I, I was I was thinking uh, plants. Okay, I'll uh, yeah. I'll buy into that very interesting fact. It's National Flower Month, F L O U R, uh, for March. Jay Baker, thank you so much for those insights. Uh, I mistakenly would have gotten you a bouquet of roses, uh, but now I'm going to get you a 10 pound bag of flour. Uh, this is the Adam Ritz Show. We thank you for listening. Past episodes available for download at adamritzshow.com. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live in studio at the Vibonomics Worldwide Headquarters. Learn more about the Vibonomics Audio Out-of-Home Marketplace at Vibonomics.com. For information on this broadcast, including past on-demand episodes, interview submissions, and syndication contacts, visit AdamRitzShow.com.